How's it going, everyone? Mafara here. Welcome to Heliopolis Radio. And today I'm joined by a special guest. And so we've got Mac Scotty McGregor. And so, uh, yeah, Mac is quite uh, a special individual that we have on our show today. And uh, he's going to share a bit about himself. So, Mac, I just extend it over to you. Uh, feel free to introduce yourself. Tell us about, you know, what you do. And uh, yeah, just go at it. <laughs> Well, hi, Mafaro. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I'm in Seattle, Washington, uh, where we're a, a bit snowed in right now. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been seeing on the news, and uh, it's like, yeah, when uh, down in Africa, this side is the exact opposite, and I'm like, I don't want to be there. <laughs> Definitely don't want to be Cape this town. Yeah, I love Cape Town. Been there and, and really love it there. So <laughs> that's where you said you are now, and and I just love that area. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, so I have a long history, you know, a martial arts background. Um, I started martial arts when I was a child at six years old, and uh, and I call it my soulmate uh, nice. because I truly believe that it saved my life because I came from a dysfunctional family and it gave me a healthy place to put my energy. Uh, and uh, I ate it up, you know, like I was the kid they had to kick out of the dojo and tell me to go home at night. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no, I think I think we all have something, particularly in our childhood, that we we hang on to as kind of a source of like spiritual comfort. Right. Something yes. that just uh, helps us get through the difficult times. And so um, yeah. I don't know if I actually really figured out what mine was in particular. But I would say nature for me is kind of my uh, my uh, solace for the most part. So I tend to kind of rely on that in tough times. But again, sorry I interrupted you there. So yeah, no, that's a, nature is another one that does that for me too. When I need to ground, and and a lot of times I'll I'll get out in nature as well. So I understand that. Yeah. So I was you know eating up the martial arts basically and and training this is my 51st year as a martial artist and wow. when i was 17 i won the u.s fighting title and that and that opened up doors for me and i began traveling um wow. nationally and internationally competing and um i was on the u.s karate team for many years until i was 39 basically on and off until i was 39 and i won two medals in the world championships at 39 wow. years old wow. yeah that's incredible. So actually, that was, yeah. since you kind of uh, went into it, I was actually going to ask, so you're a former U.S. karate member, and uh, that's yes. quite the achievement. I have a friend of mine who made the SA team, the South African uh, National Karate Team, and that's a massive achievement because you get the, like, the blazer. It's called the green oh, okay. blazer. Yeah, so it's a very prestigious honor. So I just wanted to ask, uh, you know, just uh, kind of the journey towards that, and it takes mm -hmm. quite a significant skill. I don't know what your... I know there's a certain ranking system. I don't know if it's called a third Dan, fifth Dan. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty terrible with the <laughs> with the intricacies of it. But yeah, I was just wondering, how was it? And uh, just how was that journey towards achieving something like that? Well, it was an amazing journey. Um, like I said, it grounded me and it, and it gave me a healthy place to put my energy. And I made lifelong, you know, friendships, training with people throughout the years. And... Uh, and it, it just taught me a lot of life skills, a lot of things that I turn around and teach now mm -hmm. when I'm coaching guys and, and people in positive masculinity. Which, you know, I are from my martial arts background or life skills I learned uh, from martial arts. Um, you know, I have a fourth degree black belt or higher in, wow. seven, in 17 different martial arts. And my highest is a 10th degree in, in Shorinru Karate. And <laughs> a 10th is as high as you go. So, uh, yeah, so I'm- You're a very I, dangerous individual. <laughs> very dangerous. Actually, 
I'm actually the guy you want to have a beer with because I can take <laughs> care of whatever happens tonight. And the smartest way to win a fight is to not get into a fight, right? So, a hundred percent. You know what I realized? Most uh, trained martial artists they are actually very, very nonviolent. I think yes. the level of discipline that they acquire through the rigorous training it kind That's of right. creates a certain um, warrior spirit that kind of makes you. I don't know. It's 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 actually the opposite of what you think people would get into martial arts for, which is to, you know, maybe have some power to. Uh, have leverage over someone in a fight, but it's actually the opposite. It's self-control, it's self-discipline, and self-mastery more than anything. It is, and one thing I'll say about what you mentioned—you know—to when you have that confidence that you have all these skills that you could really hurt somebody, mm-hmm. it also makes you think really seriously about using it, right? Because I know I can hurt somebody, and hopefully, I can come up with better ways to solve this problem. Right? Is what I think no. constantly, no. and what I think most martial artists that are, especially people that have trained a long time, like I have, we don't want to have to use it because we don't yeah. want to have no. hurt it. Right? No, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, on that one. And I yeah. was actually going to ask you because I mean, again, your experience is just so diversified. Um, you were Seattle City Commissioner, and so I was yeah. just wondering, yeah, for about uh, five years, how was that? Well, I'm still a Seattle City Commissioner, actually. Oh, I've been okay. on for oh, five years. Yeah. Oh, I've okay. On... Apologies about that. <laughs> That's okay. I've been on two commissions now. I was on Seattle's LGBTQ plus commission. I was the co-chair of that for about five years, and now I'm on Seattle's Renters Commission. We were the first city in the United States to form a Renters Commission to advise the mayor and city council about renters' rights. Wow. Yeah, wow. to help protect renters in the city because the prices here are crazy. They've been can, sky high. I can only imagine the economy right now is a very sensitive topic for most people. I mean, I can actually attest to that. I wish we would have something like that going in Africa, but so that's a whole different story. And and so on. It is. So, um, yeah. And anyway, I enjoy I enjoy that work because it is, you know, like. I get to a, a red line, a hotline to the mayor and city council as a commissioner to talk with them about things that are going on in the city and how, you know, policies are affecting everyday citizens. Wow! No, and so again, um, so obviously, you know, in today's world, it's a very, it's a very controversial, sensitive topic. I mean. Um, in particularly here in Africa, um, the LGBTQ and the transgender community, it's now kind of a opening up because here we are more, we come from, a, I want to say, a traditionalist background, so things are still very rigid. So ideas and, and concepts of how people express themselves and feel themselves, um, not that it's a thing that people just don't want to accept, but it's just the cultural um, foundations that, you know, this place was built upon. It's hard to just kind of you know, shape them and shift them. So um, I was yeah. actually going to move in as a commissioner. You also helped the Seattle police deal with policy for training and dealing with transgender community. And I was just wondering, how does that actually work? Um, in particular, is there, it's just, you know, I don't know in my mind how it works. Is there certain protocols or, yeah, if you just like to elaborate on that. If you... Sure, yeah. Well, I'm a transgender guy and I, you know, due to my extensive teaching experience in the martial arts and yeah. public speaking from from all that I did there, um, when I, you know, transitioned, a lot of people in the community said to me, mm-hmm. we need someone with your teaching experience to help explain this journey mm. uh, to people who don't understand it, because I have this extensive teaching experience. I'm able to do that. 
And one of the, one interesting thing, due to my martial arts background, people like police officers and military folks, they respect the warrior aspect of me, right? They expect uh, me to respect yeah. my accomplishments yeah. in the martial yeah. arts, right? That that yeah. speaks the language. So then they'll listen to me about other things. Right now, I'm still commissioned. I am teaching for the Seattle police. Every new recruit has to go through my gender class before they before mm -hmm. they go into the academy. It's a requirement. Uh, so that is pretty amazing. So they're learning gender 101, the same thing I speak at colleges and things about. I've also taught the U.S. Border Patrol about this mm -hmm. uh, because, because if you think about it, police officers and Border Patrol folks, they stop somebody and check their ID. And sometimes in the transgender and gender nonconforming community, their ID may not match their presentation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. It takes access to money and resources to get those things changed. A hundred percent. Yes. Not everybody has that. And so one of the things I do is educate these folks on the fact that a transgender person isn't trying to fool you. Mm -hmm. It's just that it takes access and it takes uh, certain resources to get these things done. And and, you know, not everybody has that access. Mm -hmm. And so I help them understand this. And mm -hmm. so then they and I and I also humanize the trans and gender nonconforming communities. So they realize it's easy to it's easy easy to have ideas about a group of people over there that you've never met, shook hands with, and had a mm -hmm. conversation. With, mm -hmm. Right? You and I sitting here looking at each other, having a conversation. Yeah. We see each other's humanity. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? And that changes the game. And that's some of what I'm doing with these with these folks. It's just helping them to understand we're human too. And we basically want the same thing everybody else does. We want to feel safe. We want to have access to good health care and housing and education, just like everybody else, right? <laughs> no, no, no. And, and, and I completely agree. Look, um, I was actually going to ask because now when you, what you really do in terms of promoting uh, or actually not promoting uh, toxic masculinity as per se, um, there's always a lot of confusion around that, right? Because, um, you know, we ask ourselves, what is masculine and what is feminine? And, you know, what I've noticed and what I've paid attention to is that um, I feel society, and this is just a personal view, is that we've moved from the idea of a strong man and woman, um, per se, you know, as archetypes. I think um, when we think of feminine, people are always associated with um, not traits of like vulnerability and weakness, but what it really means to be compassionate, to be sensitive, to embrace others without judgment. Um, yes, to be nurturing. But to be, if you've always looked at society as a whole, the masculine and feminine have held an equal balance, meaning that people have always had to be strong. There's never been, you know, I feel like the weak mindedness, weak mindedness, it's not like a, a gender type thing. It's a societal type thing. It's a it's more of an issue with the mind per se. I don't know if you would agree, but you would know better. Um, being a transgender, you could probably actually maybe attest to how you perceive this. So I feel like maybe from the masculine side, men feel maybe ostracized for um, embracing maybe the more rudimentary sides of masculinity. So like you said, you did karate, so there's aggression. There's sometimes a bit of blood involved. And some people will be like, oh, no, that's toxic masculinity. But maybe <laughs> to you, especially as a, as a fighter, as a warrior, that aspect of you, you know that that's very much part of, you know, the, the conditioning. It's actually forming oh, yeah. the character, the character building part of it. So I was just wondering, how do you feel people should navigate 
this whole um, the whole incorporation of the the masculine and feminine principle. Again, I don't know if I, I jumbled my words or yes. it didn't make sense, but I had to ask the question. <laughs> it's a big subject, right? So yeah. it is hard. It is hard to bring it down to one concise question. No, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very broad. <laughs> yeah, what I do in my book, Positive Masculinity Now, and what I do in my work uh, with my nonprofit, Positive Masculinity, is I get people, though, in the book, this is for men and women, anyone can do this. I get people to go back to their socialization around gender when they grew up mm-hmm. and look at it with an adult conscious mind. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, we got all kinds of messaging about what it was to walk in the world as a woman or a man when we were growing up. Mm -hmm. Some of it was the way the adults in our life modeled that to us. Mm -hmm. And some of it was things that people said you shouldn't do like boys, you know, you're not supposed to cry. If a boy cries, he's being told right away. Don't Mm -hmm. cry. Right. Yeah. When his sister, when his sister can stand right beside him and cry and it's fine. (laughs) Right. So no, I, hear you. I, hear you. I don't have any sisters, but maybe I'm glad so that, uh, you know, maybe been a bit unfair to experience that. I would agree. But no, I, I, hear, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, no. it could be a sister, uh, a cousin, uh, you know, a friend, yeah. whatever. But I mean, I'm sure you've seen that when a girl, little girl cries, it's fine. But when a little boy cries, a lot of times they're told not to. Mm-hmm. Right. That they're supposed to toughen up. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's just very different messaging. And I, what I get people to do is go back and re-examine that as a conscious adult and figure out, does this still serve me well? Yeah. And you can look at each message, right? Like boys are told, it don't ask for help because that's a sign of weakness. We're supposed to be self-sufficient. We're supposed to always be strong, right? Mm-hmm. And And that is exhausting. We all need help sometimes. Right. And nobody can be strong 24 seven. That's just, we just can't be, we need each other. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a message that keeps men like you and I from being closer friends because we're afraid to mm-hmm. open up to one another. We're afraid to ask each other for help. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> no, so no, not, we don't want to be vulnerable with each other because we think that's vulnerable. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and no. Vulnerable is, and vulnerable is not for the masculine. That's for the feminine. No, it's true. It's true. Um, yeah. I was going to ask, um, the difficulty always is what is the, the, the dividing line? You know what I'm saying? Um, because, uh, I would consider myself a pretty sensitive guy. You know, I've always been yeah. the one who would cry, you know, if I would see something sad, it would, it would affect me and I wouldn't hide about it. Um, That's great. but I, I was going to ask, what would you personally define as the dividing line between you know, what you've noticed is, um, and I, I realize this particularly when, um, and, and I don't want to say it in a very distinctive way, because I'm trying to be very, like, <laughs> clever with my word choice, but when you, when men are around women, just that very, the feminine energy, naturally, there's exploitative nature. You know, when you say you're indulging your feelings too much, or you're taking advantage of people, you know, like that whole feeling sorry for yourself type thing. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but you get what I'm going at. Like, just because it's afforded to you to be sensitive, you take it and you you take it to the fullest. Like, you actually become destructive. Just like with the masculine, you know, being strong and being very stoic, you take that yeah. to the to the next threshold where, like you said, you're unyielding, you're uncompromising, even right. to a certain level of foolishness. You know, when you're right. being foolhardy with your with your strength, 
um what would you say is like the boundary line for you um for that like what's what's going too far like you know what i mean because everything yeah, yeah. Has, has a balance in life i honestly believe that uh, there's a balance in everything but i mean I, humans we have a tendency sometimes to overindulge and abuse things just because it's in our nature it's a mental thing that we do we take advantage you know so yeah i would say that the pendulum swings right the pendulum swings and and it and define balance now that's what I would call the master class in the martial arts is 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 the you know getting life balance understanding mm -hmm. how to balance things in life including our emotions mm -hmm. right men shouldn't shut their emotions down because we were all created to be emotional beings mm -hmm. and the highest suicide rate is among middle-aged men why is that I think that's because we've stuffed all these feelings down mm -hmm. for so long right and and then we end up so on you know realizing how unhappy we are in middle mm. age and, mm -hmm. and feeling empty because we don't have any close relationships because we haven't let anybody in or mm -hmm. opened up to anybody, right? But there is a balance in that and there's discernment. The biggest thing I would say with that is discernment mm -hmm. as to who to share with, your mm -hmm. who to share your feelings with, right? Share them when you're in a supportive place, not when you're gonna get, you know, cause some guys ridicule each other, right? If, mm. if some guy shows too much tenderness, some other guys will, you know, you know, start, start picking on him, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, you're being a wuss, you know, you're, you mm -hmm. know, and tell him to toughen up. So that wouldn't be a good place to share your feelings. It's about using, you know, some discernment about when and where to do it. Yeah. But also when you first start letting them out, they may flood out because you've held them in for a long time. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. just realizing that you find find a place where it's safe for you to do that. And then, you know, you'll get to a balance. You'll get to a balance in life. One of the things I've created in Positive Masculinity, my nonprofit, is a mm -hmm. monthly discussion group. It's virtual online that anybody can join from anywhere. I know sometimes it's tough with the time change. But we've created a safe environment for guys to get together and really share with one another where we're our our whole goal is to support each other there is to foster one another's growth so that's a really rare place to find a group of guys that you can open up with that are all there to help support your growth and that's what we've created and we have people now wanting to create groups like this all over the world and i'm in the process this next year we'll be developing a facilitator course so wow. folks can learn to be a facilitator to have a group in your in your area and just coming down to the positive masculinity now and um, how you've grown your, I don't know, it's not really a business. I wouldn't want to call it that because it's much, it's much bigger than that. But yeah, um, just the journey into, yes, just the journey into developing it. Um, just uh, maybe if you could just explain that and just um, how much it's evolved. Again, you've just explained some of the procedures that you have going that people can participate in. I was actually yeah. going to mention it at the end, so I didn't forget about it. But now that we're actually now that we're on it, I was just going to, you know, give you a head, and you can yeah. and you can explain what it is that you do and um, how people can participate, and also maybe because um, again, your demographic it extends past the U.S. borders, obviously. So how other people, like you said, different time zones, different situations, circumstances, uh, backgrounds, how they can also, um, yeah. Well, my vision, my whole vision, starting this, was. I saw gathering men from all kinds of different ethnic backgrounds, different ages, different life experiences, gay, straight, bisexual, mm -hmm. different, you know, just different orientations all over. 
to come together and first of all, heal from the way the patriarchy and toxic masculinity has hurt us. Now, I will say it's hurt us because it's limited us and put us in boxes, right? And told us mm -hmm. we have to walk the world, walk in the world a certain way to be considered the man. Mm -hmm. and, and everyone doesn't fit into that, right? Mm -hmm. There's a big spectrum of masculinity. Like we understand now that sexuality is a spectrum, right? It's not just gay and straight. There's a big mm -hmm. spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with masculinity or femininity. There's not one way to be masculine. I mean, we could look at, you know, a whole bunch of men, you line them up. And on one end, you have the physical warriors, you know, like mm -hmm. Dwayne, the rock Johnson and Rocky Balboa. We can go mm -hmm. on and on all those guys. Mm -hmm. Right. And on the other end, you have Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, mm -hmm. and you have Bill Gates, <laughs> very different forms of masculinity. Right. Yeah. Very yeah. different. But they're still masculinities, right? No, no. And it's Not okay. Really. So yeah, there's this huge spectrum, and I try to get everybody to understand that we don't all have to be the physical fighter guy, mm -hmm. you know, to be to be healthy masculine people. Mm -hmm. But we should we shouldn't try to push everybody to be one way, right? So yeah, so I I had this vision of all these guys getting together and healing from that. And then together working on creating a healthier model of masculinity to go forward for all of us, including women, because mm -hmm. women have been put down by, you know, traditional and toxic masculinity. LGBTQ people have been put down by traditional and toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. So and so have guys that are artists and more tender guys, you know, mm -hmm. that just don't fit that traditional masculine model. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. so we teach workshops. We have blogs on our website site go that you can subscribe to read our blogs and we are always asking for new blog writers so if you're interested there's information on there for you to write a blog for us and because we like different perspectives mm -hmm. and we want to hear from different people we've even had women that have come on come on and written blogs for us about their relationships with their fathers and how that's affected your mm. lives right that's 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 always a, a major one actually it, it comes down to the parental dynamic more than anything our our understanding in our the way we conduct ourselves particularly in our adult phase at a subconscious level the relationship the most pertinent one i actually have noticed depending on who was there and who wasn't um it usually is the father because there's always a major issue there but also with the mother as well those who are okay. raised without mothers, um, they don't have that sensitivity. They maybe don't have that emotional awareness or IQ, if you want to call it. And then you have those without fathers, you know, people who maybe don't have necessarily some type of moral compass or right. a certain foundation of just not principles that are fixed, but just a way of going about life that's non-destructive, you know, that's yeah. well regulated. And so mm -hmm. the actual question, I think the the one I was really, because this is the most difficult one, is we understand that we live in a world where you always have people that want to hold on to the traditional matriarchy and patriarchy. You know, you're just going to have people like that. And the whole essence of human society is to be able to collectively work with people regardless of their ideas and beliefs. So um, you... Uh, you mentioned toxic masculinity, but there'll always be people that view their toxic masculinity as non-toxic. So I was right. going to ask you, how would you, how do you harmonize or how would you want to see harmony exist between someone who is a strictly patriarchal person? How would you want to conduct a dialogue with them? You know what I'm saying? Even as a black person, uh, 
there's always going to be someone who's racist and there's someone who's going to have a firm belief in it. But the question is, how are you going to be able to conducively have a dialogue with that person without trying to change them? You know, because I feel like you can't really change people at a fundamental core unless they change themselves. But you can learn to, you can learn to engage someone and you can take care of your business so they can take care of their business and it doesn't always have to be a problem. So I was wondering how you see that going forward because... Um, yes, you draw awareness to toxic masculinity and some of the destructive traits of it, um, but there are always going to be those people. So I was just wondering how you want to harmonize and how you'd prefer to live in harmony with people who perhaps uh, portray toxic masculine traits. Yeah, good question. You know, I totally understand what you said. As a black person, there's always going to be racist people, and as a trans person, there's always going to be <laughs> there's always going to be transphobic people, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> so I, I understand that totally. Um, one of the things I do and I teach people to do is find a commonality. You know, I, I actually had an experience where I was on a very conservative radio show program. And mm-hmm. this conservative radio show host is known for just eating people alive. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's a tough guy, right? And I was going to be the first trans person he ever had on the show. Yeah. And he was having me on to talk about the issues of people being afraid to use the bathroom, public bathrooms with trans people. So I knew this is a hot issue. Yeah, right? no, no. And what I did was him and I had a, a little time to talk before the show started. And we found, and I was, I was keen on finding commonalities. Well, he likes to hike. So do I. He likes to fish. So do I. Well, we started talking about that. And then I met his wife and my wife met his, they, they met, we all met each other and we started talking about things we liked. We then talked about the fact that we're both dog lovers. We have, mm-hmm. you know, both of our families have dogs, right? And we talked yeah, about yeah, that. No, no, all, of a sudden, all of a sudden we're seeing each other's humanity, right? Yep. And then he changed. And you know what he actually said to me? I'm sure you've heard this from some racist people too. Well, you know, I'm not sure about most trans people, but you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you get it, you get because it. Because I, because I felt, but what that does is opened his mind a little bit, yeah. right? Even if it's just a little bit, it lets a little light in and that's okay. Uh, you know, because we can't be responsible for totally, like you said, changing somebody, they have to want to change. Mm-hmm. But that makes him see the humanity in at least one trans person. So men, mm-hmm. then maybe he'll look a little deeper the next one he meets, right? No, no that's very <laughs> true. Know? And and, and it's, yeah, it's, finding it's amazing. that commonality is it, I believe. No, uh, and uh, again, uh, it's 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 actually important. I mean, in Africa now, I think it's not that this place, in actual fact, you know, uh, despite what maybe the outside perception is, um, there's a lot of um, advancements being made society. I mean, yes, economically things are bad, but in terms of mindset, there's a, a massive shift. And so um, I would ask, I was just wanting to extend this question. What would you hope to see, um, not just within the U.S., but um, in terms of the world, just how um, the transgender and LGBTQ community are treated as a whole? Um, what would your... I don't want to say realistic expectations, but what would you, your basic uh, expectations? Everyone has a basic expectation and desires. It's a human thing. So I was wondering, um, what is in your mind are the basic expectations? And so, yeah. <laughs> the basic expectations. Basic, I would yeah, just yeah. Like us, yeah, I would just like us all to realize that someone else's love or someone else being their authentic self 
is not a threat to you or anyone else out there, right? It's not a threat to someone else's marriage or, or someone else's house or, or who they are for me to be true to who I am, you know? And that's the thing. I want you to be able to be true to who you are. And I would hope you would want me to do the same. And it's not going to be a threat to your life or anything in your life, right? No, no, I, 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 hear, I hear you on that one. And um, I'd actually definitely enjoy having you on the show again. As I just realized now we're actually ticking for time and it's, it's actually a very immersive conversation. And you're a very, very, very wise person indeed, Mac. And uh, generally your heart is pure and good. And I think more than anything, we need people like this in a society to make sure that it doesn't fall into complete you know disintegration where there's a fragmentation of people who just do things and people can work more collectively and we can find common ground and there doesn't need to be ideas or misconceptions um to be honest i, I myself didn't know how i was going to conduct the interview because again you don't want to always say anything that's ignorant right and you know we always have those instances and it's not just in terms of transgender lgbtq black white asian it's it's just a human tendency to not you know really think of someone's circumstance and their situations how they feel and how they want to conduct the experience in this life so i genuinely appreciate you for coming here and uh, sharing it i think a lot more people who tune in not that i have a large audience <laughs> but uh, the, the people that do tune in they'll definitely be more enlightened and they'll be more open and they'll be more accepting and appreciative of people and their uniqueness and differences and so yeah i just wanted to ask if you could share any means of contact i know that you have your website it's www.positivemasculinitynow.org and then you can also follow yes. mac on instagram at positive, positive masculinity now and then are there any other modes or means TikTok, of communication? positive masculinity now we have a, a, a tiktok channel is growing as well so yeah <laughs> Oh. And you can get you can get my book Positive Masculinity now yes, through Amazon yes, in yes, Kindle yes. and in print. And uh, probably in about March of this next year, the audio book will be coming out. I've been I'm in the process of recording it now. No man, and uh, and I'm wishing you all the best with that process. And I'm excited. Uh, it's always good to to extend your reach. And uh, so you said it's audio. Did you record the audio yourself, or did someone else do it? I've always wondered how that part works. Well, some authors do it uh, themselves and some hire someone to do it. I'm doing it myself. Wow. No, that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. Right? <laughs> no, and, and, and I hope that uh, you enjoyed your time on the show again and definitely yeah. hope to have you again. I feel like, um, you know, it'd be interesting to have this uh, with other people in the call as well, just to have a complete, you know, it's always important to have the circle going where, you know, yes. I guess talking to me is just one person but i hope that you know it extends to others and i guess that's essentially your mission as well and so yeah mac thank you so much for hopping on heliopolis radio i truly appreciate it thank you thank you